No, no, thank you. Thanks for saving the world again. And do give my best to Kim. All right, bye. Bye now. <sighs> God damn it, Jack Bauer. You really are the man. Uh, hello? Yes? Sir, I... Hold up. Is this a secure line? Well, it's encrypted with WPS HA5000 and wrapped in a proprietary impenetrable titanium concrete blend containium. Even so, since I can literally see you sitting at your desk across the room, it might be more prudent to do this in person. Sir. I hope you logged out. You can see my computer from here. Constant vigilance. Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. I did, though, sir. Mm, You were saying? I believe I've landed upon a suitable naming criteria for our most top-secret agents. Ah, finally. We need to dispatch an agent. Sharp. I'm afraid we ruled out musical notation as too limited. I meant quickly, promptly, as soon as possible. Ah, right you are. Well, as you know, letters are out of the question. The implied hierarchy is too insulting. Absolutely. You can thank the A-team for that. Teams B to Z never felt like they were taken seriously. Besides, given M and Q and Line of Duty's H... We have to be careful Hollywood and the BBC don't get all litigious and start waving around DMCA takedowns. Indeed. So, and I know it's controversial, radical even, but I'm thinking numbers. Numbers, eh? Are you sure? It didn't work before, and we can't afford any more employment tribunals after the last one. What happened with that one? Not that one. The last one. Never again should we allocate the number one to an agent after Agent One claimed his number didn't provide him with sufficient cover. He even said the numbering was racially motivated. Oh, I didn't know. It must have been classified. Who won? Agent One won. One. Aren't you listening? The agency had to pay out. What happened to the operative? Mr Santos no longer works here. I believe he's moved back to Colombia and went into politics, I think. You were saying, your revolutionary new system. Yeah, well, these are randomly assigned numbers between 10 and 100. Obviously, we can raise the limit as required. Why does it start at 10? Why not 2? Who does number 2 work for? Ah, Agent Power screwed that too. Like most things. What about 3 to 9? Isn't 3 free? Well, that's precisely the problem there. Then 4 because of the homophonous conjunction. The Scottish County Fife rules out 5. 6 is difficult for some of the handlers. Which one? Lispy Cassandra, for a start. Ah, yes. Poor old Cathy. And the Kiwis on the team aren't great with it either. They pronounce it... Okay, okay, I get it. Six is off the table. Of course, the iconic double O is Bagsied seven. Bloody Bond. Eight's too close to hate, nine confuses German speakers, and now we're into double digits. Good God, I can see the problem. But ten onwards is okay, is it? Well, more or less. I mean, we'll skip 13 for the superstitious among us, and 69 because, well, we need our agents focused on the job at hand. The right job. Exactly, not their right hand. Wouldn't want any confusion with the explosives. Okay, so who, or rather which number, are we assigning to this mission? It's Agent 47. This is him. Him? Oh, really? Not 40, 45? Don't start that again. It's just, don't you think 47's barcode is a bit problematic? Between that and his skinhead, he stands out like a novelty sore thumb. Yeah, true. He does look like a frozen frankverter. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. 47. I expect you to make a delicious hot dog with sauce. Shh. Keep it down or we have another tribunal on our hands. Fine, fine. Agent 47 it is. Let Burnwood know. She'll be ecstatic. All this business with numbers. I'm rubbish at maths. That's why I joined the blasted agency. Intelligence agency, my ass. Yeah, me too. I'm just glad we can use our real names. On that note, I'm Bernard. And I'm Simon. And this is... Pixel Vision. Vision.
No, Mr. Fuzzy Seven, I expect you to make a delicious hot dog dish. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was funny. That was funny. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. Okay, so, bit of housekeeping, Tay. Okie dokie. We haven't done housekeeping before, but I've heard it on other podcasts, so. Have you? Well, I've, I've been listening to some other podcasts too. I've maybe come with my own ideas. All right. I'll look forward to those. Housekeeping wise, though, I did feel compelled to clarify after reading a few little missives from uh, some friends of ours that I know I've panned GeForce Now a lot, mm-hmm. but rather than sort of veering away from it as a service, I've actually since hooked up an Ethernet cable to an NVIDIA Shield, mm-hmm. which just thought would supplement the GeForce Now. I mean, it's turning into more and more of a plug for NVIDIA. Just realised, not only did I buy GeForce Now, but I'm now buying a shield. And now I can tell you, if you buy the extra thing, it's so much better than just the membership. So... After telling everyone how bad it is, you've now just done a complete U-turn. Not only double down on the thing you hated, but bought their other products as well. It looks dodgy. It looks dodgy. (laughs) It does look dodgy. I promise it's not dodgy and I can justify it as well. What I actually wanted to do was get one of the next gen slash current gen consoles, but given the stock shortages, I haven't been able to. And so I thought, that's annoying. I would still like to play good games through my big TV in my lounge. Mm. And subsequently I thought, maybe if I got an NVIDIA Shield, I'd be able to hook up my big TV and control it with my Xbox Series X controller, which I got and it works like a dream. Well, all's well that ends well. Yeah, so I just wanted to clarify that, basically, because I I did feel a little bit bad shitting on them a lot every episode, and now I'm actually very contentedly using this great platform that they offer. (laughs) Well, brilliant. I think that was a a perfect use of the new housekeeping slot, and I look forward to next episode's housekeeping already. Can't bloody wait. (laughs) Shall we get into the game? Yeah, what game were we even talking about, Teo? Because I've forgotten. That intro didn't help me whatsoever. It could have been any game. Could have been any game. Could have been absolutely anyone. Mm. It is, surprise, surprise, Hitman 3. I mean, we let everyone know what we're playing in the previous episode anyway, so it's not like it's a surprise. Yeah, that is true. But they might not have listened to the previous episode. Don't be presumptuous, Teo. Come on. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Oh, this might be their, that might be their first listen. Yeah. That might be their first You've listen. You've made a rubbish impression. It's a first listen, and you're already saying their knowledge is rubbish and they should have listened to the last one sorry never berate the listener no in public you can tell we're we're still a bit rusty 22 episodes in or whatever this is now something like that but rome wasn't built in a day as they say anyway yeah hitman 3 but we didn't actually sort of let that on in the intro necessarily because lots of hitman games true lots of hitman games but we're not going to play the, we're not going to play anything we've never played anything less than the latest version of a thing have we mm. no i'm confident we haven't okay well i mean we played black mesa which was definitely not the most recent half-life what i mean it is definitely the most recent half-life it's just a remake of the old one. Ooh, touche look at this Parrying. sparring sparring off the bullet time what no one can see is Taylor's little head jerking around. <laughs> doing, doing. Oh, yeah. So what did you think of it? What did you make of it? Well, it wasn't my first Hitman game, but I thought it was your first Hitman game. So in a way, what you thought of it is more relevant than what I thought of it. I think 
what you think of it is more relevant to what I think of it. Okay, well, if I'm honest, I remember enjoying the Hitman games more than I enjoyed this one. Mm, mm. Could it be because you were a stupid child? <laughs> brutal. That is brutal. I mean, there's no coming back from that position. Oh, that is harsh. That is harsh. We that are going to have a lot of people listening to this thinking, there's no two ways about this. Tara's flat out just called me stupid. No, no. Oh, sorry. Ah, uh, oh, that was, no, no, no. I wasn't talking about you being stupid. I meant a child who has less competency at playing computer games than you now do as an adult. So stupid is a harsh word. I retract my comment and say an inexperienced child gamer. You got something? Talk to me. Get your ass handed to you by the colonel. Anyway, I did enjoy it still. I just didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I was going to enjoy it. Like in my head, I was like, I can't wait to play the next Hitman game. When it had come out, I remember seeing loads of people posting about it and all that kind of shizniz. And I thought... This is going to be wicked. And that's why I used it as my bargaining chip to play that other game that was a bit, eh, what was that? Monster Train. And yeah, I got all excited. And I've got to say, I feel like a little bit let down. Mm. Not least because I feel like I played it for about 20 minutes and then finished it. And now I can't remember what happened in it. Yeah, well, we'll get onto the plot because, you know. We always do. I honestly think if, if we wanted to make this a spoiler episode, we could because like, is anyone on the planet playing this story? Um, I don't know, but I wouldn't jump straight into plot spoilers. Oh, no, definitely not. One reason I wouldn't is because I haven't got a fucking clue what's going on in the world of Hitman most of the time. I reckon I could give the plot a good summary. Oh, well, that's very fortuitous because momentarily you're going to be delivering your Taya monologue. Momentarily, let's just, let's get into it. Well, no, because you haven't given me your reaction. Oh, yeah. I'm, well, I mean, I've kind of implied it. I didn't understand. I didn't get what the appeal of this game was, even slightly, really. I could understand it maybe on like an intellectual level, but at no level was it fun. Maybe I was having fun, like, however long I played it, like what, eight or nine hours it took to complete. I was maybe having fun for about like 20 minutes of those cumulative of all those hours. I thought it was dull. Whoa. And I even, I don't usually do this, but I even like halfway through playing it, I went online and I was just like, why is Hitman popular? I think I was Googling. And there was these, <laughs> there was these really long like discussion threads on Reddit. People being like, oh yeah, people hate on the Hitman game because they're not patient gamers. Like they don't get how to like stalk their prey and all this. And I'm like, I'm the most patient gamer I know. <laughs> it's nothing to do with patience. It's like, I'm so patient. I enjoy Sekiro. Yeah, yeah, basically. Well, people were comparing it to Dark Souls and I was like, Dark Souls? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, I don't see any comparison between this and Dark Souls. Not at all. Yeah, I'll I'll get into my criticisms in a bit. But I did, I came prepared to be a bit critical because the last game we played I actively disliked was Wilson. And in that episode, I really held back because I was like, no, I want to keep it positive. I want to keep it positive. But now I'm going dark side, dark side Tao this episode. So. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, fucking Revenge of the Sith. Bring it on, mate. Bring it on. Yeah. Let's see how it goes. The only thing is, I think I might not be the most sort of brave cheerleader for the game. Okay. I'm not sure I'm necessarily going to be leading the charge very strongly. I might be somewhat... Um, agreeing with you in places that's fine i wouldn't say i'm gonna cave so quickly as i would agree at the top of the podcast it wasn't fun i think that that is Mm. a bit too far for me um 
So I'll look forward to seeing where we differ mm. on that. Indeed, indeed. Let's get into the monologue. Hitman 3. It is a murder sandbox simulator. Yeah, murder sandbox simulator we'll go with, where you play as Agent 47, who is the titular Hitman. And each mission, you're given a kind of contained but open-ish world, very small, that's the sandbox. And you have a target to kill within that level. How you kill your target is up to you. You could have a complete shootout straight from the start if you wanted to, or you could get the right disguises, sneak in as a waiter, follow them upstairs, poison their drink just at the right time. All sorts of different ways you can kill them. Is there really many ways you can kill them, though? Well, the game likes to think there's many, many different ways to to kill a person. And the fun really is not so much in the killing, but in the how you get to the killing. And so it aims to be like a creative place in which to murder. So yeah, that's about it. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. A little bit of opinion creeping into a oh, fact, sorry. factual <laughs> description of the game, but that's all right. That's all right. Is it fun? Is it not fun? Oh, not sure. But I did notice you say the fun comes from, which suggests you know you did discover the origin of that fun. Oh yeah, no, I understood what I was meant to find fun for sure. But unfortunately, like I also think this is this would be a bit weird, and like fans of the game will judge us for this. So we'll get it out there straight away. And that is, we did just play one playthrough and the game, clearly it's all about the replayability, isn't it? Like you're meant to enjoy the game so much that you go back to each level over and over again, unlock all the achievements. And that's really clear in sort of the achievement system and the way that each level ranks up as you complete it so that you can like select different locations in which to start and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Although, I mean, if fans want to judge us for that, that's fine. But one of my criticisms was actually going to be that it's a really short game by design. They think they've made these incredibly intricate levels with so much going on and so many different sub stories and different kind of story missions built into them. So different avenues to your target, I suppose, so that you can execute them in varied and creative ways. And they seem to think that by doing that, there's this incredible replayability innate in what they've produced. And I'm not convinced that there is at all, like at all, in fact. Like I tried to replay one of the levels. I thought, oh yeah, maybe I'll do that other story. And then I jumped back into it and I was like, I feel like I've just played this level. Like I know where the things are. I know where the areas are. I know that I could pretty much kill the target at any time. So I'm not really sure why I'm going to these arcane lengths to do it in an imaginative way. And for those reasons, I actually don't agree that it's a very replayable game. I actually think it's not a very replayable game at all. Mm, interesting, interesting. But if the if the sneaking around and the mm, should we should we pick should we pick a level to go through? Well, no, I think we can cut. There's only six, so I think we can pretty much run through all of them in order. Why not? That'd be fucking radical. But since we're on this, I was actually going to mention this at the end, but I kind of feel like I'm just going to jump straight in since it's topical. Is that like one of the things that irritated me slightly about the game as soon as I started it is that you load it up. All right, I get it. It's the third of three. So what we're talking about here is, because obviously there's a shit ton of Hitman games, to be clear, this is the third in the World of Assassination trilogy, 
which started in 2016 with Hitman. In 2018, Hitman 2. Now it's Hitman 3. It's all developed by IO Interactive, the Danish studios, who incidentally are working on the next James Bond game. But like, what's annoying is you load it up. First of all, because it's the third one, they're like, hey, yeah, training mission, tutorial. You think, oh, hello. And then it just is the same training mission that you get in the very first game, which if you played all three, you're like, yeah, I'm familiar with it. Okay, arguably you don't need another training mission, but training missions are fun in general, not in Iron Harvest. That was crap. I know you were going to say that. But in general, they're fun. And so I was a little bit disappointed to the point that that was one of the missions I started to replay. I was like, oh, I'm going to do it anyway, the one on the boat. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you did the training mission on the boat, did you? Because this, this is your first game. Yeah. Okay, cool. I did the training mission. Well, it's more important for me to do it than, than you, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, yeah. But I also know how like ludicrously brazenly confident you are. And I can imagine you going to a game like, ha, training, I don't need that. I should have actually turned the difficulty up on a few levels, but I didn't. I played it on medium all the way through. Of course I did the tutorial, you know, like they spent time making this, but apparently they didn't. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, not for the second and third games. They just used the same one for the first one. But anyway, um, aside from that, you then get met with this menu that is confusing as shit, frankly. Like you've got the campaign on the left, then you've got a ton of other tiles, a like menu along the top, a sub menu along the bottom, loads of stuff that is seems like synonymous terms. Like you've got campaign, then you've got story, then you've got like missions. And you're like, what the fuck? These are all the same thing. Contracts. Mm. So that's one thing. Mm. Just before I came on tonight, because I finished the game like about three weeks ago. So I wanted to just check that I wasn't like doing an injustice to the game here. So I booted it up just before we came on. First thing I got given was a big old banner saying, play for free for a limited time and giving me the option to play the Paris level from the first game. And then there was tons of other stuff. Tanks for me, brain melt, noodles and toodles, which are like community submitted contracts. There's an upcoming like monthly content roadmap that you can jump to. There's a tile that was encouraging me to sign up for a free IOI account to unlock three new suits, promising access to newsletters, surveys, giveaways, and notifications, all of which sound like fucking brain tumours. Surveys? Oh, please, please let me fill in your survey. Please. Yeah. What the hell? I've just paid 30 quid for six missions. Don't bombard me with a load of extra spam. That's 35% off, right? This is a 50 quid game. I completely agree. Like, I was going to mention the the terrible, like, shop front menu of this game as well. It's a disgrace. It's a bloody disgrace. It's a bloody disgrace. It was re-traumatising me from Windows 8. It was giving me, like, horrible (laughs) Windows 8 tile flashbacks. I was like, no, no, I can't navigate anything. Oh, my God, that's such a good equivalence. It's the worst menu system I've ever seen. Yeah, it is. It is really bad. And the fact that there is even a store page. I mean, they've got this DLC coming up, Seven Deadly Sins, which I've already seen loads of people complaining about because... It's expensive and is just really superficial, apparently. There's, like, not much content in there, really. And then this store page enables you to buy, like, digital books, digital soundtracks, deluxe suits and items. And, like, of course, you can buy the previous two games as well. And I just thought, I don't want that in my game. Mm. There's a shop before I... How did I buy this game? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I bought it already. Don't give me a shot. It's, like, super meta. Yeah, yeah. I feel like raging about the menus as well. (laughs) Okay. Now we've gone past the menu. We've loaded up the game. We've got to the menu. We've We're taking you through. Yeah, exactly. Step Mission step. one. <clears throat> Teo. can't remember what it's called, but it's set in uh, Abu Dhabi, right? No, Dubai. In the world's tallest skyscraper. And you come in on a plane and you parachute down, I guess, James Bond style. 
Austin Powers style. Oh, I actually thought this was very Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. Ah, you're right, yeah. The fourth one, when Tom Cruise is actually climbing up the Burj Khalifa, and although they don't call it the Burj Khalifa in this film, they call it the Scepter, it clearly mm. is like an in-game version of that. Where's Ethan? You gotta be kidding me. Yeah. Yeah, well, what did you think of that? Because I thought my initial impression was, wow, this is fucking amazing. This looks incredible. There was never a more appropriate use of the term vistas. <laughs> no, it was quite a vista. And they even talk about the vistas in-game in some of the dialogue, don't they? They're saying yeah. how good the view is out. But actually, the view out is terrible from inside the game. They're like, yeah, you can see the sand, the deserts for miles. And I'm there like, you can't see anything out that window. <laughs> don't tell me you can see a desert if I can't see a desert. But the, the reason why I was already a little bit not impressed at this point is just because of how shit and how many the dialogue had been. So there's a little cutscene before each mission. So before you're launched into this mission, there's a bit of backstory with the tutorial. And if you haven't played the game before, there's a little reminder of what happened since. Really low budget, just like words on the screen read out. The story is there's an assassination agency which like influences world affairs by killing people. And it's run by a lot of very wealthy and powerful people. Everyone you're given to kill pretty much has the caveat of, but they stay in the shadows, so you've never heard of them. It's like, what? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, but they're all they're all billionaires. Mm, you've been used, Agent 47, you've been used as a tool in order to prop up this secret organisation. So now you, along with Diana Burnwood and your mate Grey, uh, are like dismantling it. You've gone rogue and you're killing the key members one by one. And that's why you're on the skyscraper, because like two of the main owners of Providence are there. Is that right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Mm. There's a little bit of backstory there as well. I mean, Lucas Gray is like another assassin. Previously, you've killed Diana Burnwood's parents, but Diana Burnwood doesn't know this. You're on this kind of revenge spree. I mean, Hitman himself is like meant to be, I think, like a genetically modified assassin sort of thing. He's like a clone, isn't he, of like five other people's DNA. Is that why he's got a barcode on his head? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the barcode... At this point, it's just iconic, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, like, it is fucking stupid. I don't know when they thought this. We're going to make a spy who's covert, who's like some absolute wizard in disguise. No one recognises him, even when it's a very small staff. <laughs> None of them seem to recognise their employees or their co-workers. And the fact that he's bold, shiny bold, with a barcode stamped on the back of his neck doesn't seem to bother anyone. And what's weird is sometimes they're having a conversation with him, or sorry, they're having a conversation, for instance, with their photographer. And they're like, oh yeah, great photographer. Photographer's like, oh yeah, I, I've taken lots of photos. And then the person's like, oh yeah, well, great. I'm just going to go around this corner. You kill the photographer, put on his clothes. They come back and they're like, oh, hey. And you're like, yes, stand over there. I'm going to take a photo. They haven't even noticed the same guy they were chatting to a second ago, this time bold with a barcode on his face. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you do have to suspend reality. I'm usually happy to suspend reality in the game. Like, if it was fun, I'd be happy to suspend my reality for it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I could see what it was reaching for with these, like, patterns of the disguises and all that sort of thing. But, yeah. When you're done, meet me on the dance floor. Oh, 
and dress appropriately. Anyway, we were talking about the skyscraper, the scepter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. And Providence. And Providence. And the ICA, is it? The International Contracts Agency, which is the hitman agency you work for? Yeah. Yeah, so you're on the skyscraper. To be honest, I actually thought that was a pretty sweet mission. I didn't really have many complaints about that, actually. I thought that was a really good way of getting back in. I agree, I don't like the cutscenes. There's way too many of them. They're all pretty wooden. In fact, the animations in general are quite wooden. And... It's very on rails at the beginning because you get dropped out of the plane. You can only really climb down the building one way. You have to kind of follow some scaffolding around. You have to go in through a certain window, like all those things. Sure, that's a bit linear. But once you're in there, I was kind of blown away. I actually thought the reflections were incredible. There's these hot air balloons in the distance a row of them in different colours and they're kind of sinking beneath the clouds in places. You can even see like the flame just flaring inside them. Mm. All that side of things was really beautiful. But I know you're not really a graphics man. Whereas I, I am, I must say, impressed by photorealism. And I would say they had it for some of the sequences. Yeah, I won't say I won't say too much on this because I'm not a graphics man, as you say. <laughs> Although I don't think I'd ever call myself not a graphics man but yeah i am i own it i'm not a graphics man <laughs> however i i did also just not like the graphics i thought it was ugly i actually thought it was ugly game some levels i liked a bit more than the others you are definitely on your own there mate i honestly what the hell it's got no soul the graphics for me in this game and i, I do have that it's made an unreal engine right i have had this same thing with un unreal engine games before it's like there's more to graphics than photo like it's aiming for photorealism but like there's still like a style there which i just like it's not photorealistic it's just not do you think it just stumbles into an uncanny valley for you no i don't think it stumbles into uncanny valley it's not too realistic definitely not but it, maybe i'm just not primed for photorealism so like what i look for is like a style of graphics and when there's no style it's just trying to be reality i'm just a bit like hmm but it is still not reality and then the other thing is missing but yeah anyway that's all i'll say on it because as you say i'm not a graphics man see i think that the problem with photorealism is that there's a discordance between being in a game that looks beautiful beautiful i'm not even gonna say that word i sound like a beautiful twat every time i say beautiful for some reason no you don't it looks beautiful oh, hello no you don't uh, <laughs> But looks really good versus then being in that game and actually not being able to do like 99.9 .9 recurring things that you would want to do in an environment like that. Mm, interesting. As an example, I mean, we're not there yet, but in one of the subsequent missions, you're in a nightclub in Berlin and like everyone's raving away and going crazy. And I was like, this is sick. It's like that scene in Heat. Not he in Collateral in Michael Mann's other film Collateral with Tom Cruise as well actually. We were 15 feet ahead, three feet to the left. Wander, innocent bystanders get the first rounds. That was my favourite level of the club. Yeah, it's sweet, and you go in there and it's like pumping away tunes or whatever, and there's lights flashing everywhere, and I just thought oh, this is one of those environments where you can like sneak through, like discreetly like knife someone, and then just keep moving, and like no one even notices, and they just like fall to the ground. <laughs> But of course you can't do that because you put out a knife and like loads of people see you've got a knife and then everyone runs away and shouts knife or whatever. And the same with a gun. Like in that film, for instance, Collateral, he literally pulls out his gun and he's like having a gun battle. And it takes a few minutes before anyone even fucking realizes because like the sound's epic, the lights are going, like it's really cool. And a bit like Man on Fire as well, same deal with Denzel. 
But in this, as soon as you do anything that sort of strays from what they've conceived of as possible in the game, it like breaks the immersion because mm. it doesn't react how you want it to. Mm. And they've set themselves up to fail at that because they've made a game that looks really realistic but isn't realistic. Yeah. You know, I don't know what to say about that. Like, I think games are going to have that difficulty going forwards, full stop. Shall I go straight in with the most ridiculous assassination that I did, which really demonstrates this, um, at the aiming and failing at realism? I would love for you to. Go on. There's a level towards the end where you're at a party at a vineyard. So it includes like a really posh house and the, the wine and stuff. And you're dressed up as one of the people you're trying to kill's goons, two people to kill. And you're taking, along with two other characters, one of which is the target, you're on like a wine tour of the winery. So you're going along, like, you know, you've just done some stuff to get there, some hilarious stuff involving like picking grapes and like stupid stuff. Anyway, you get into the wine pressing room and like you see all these industrial wine presses, like as a substitute for people pushing it with their feet. There's that funny YouTube video. Vineyard tours, seminars, arts and crafts. It's a lot of fun, a whole day. Stop. Oh, oh. <laughs> you know the one. You know the one where she's in the bucket. No. Oh, oh boy, dear. I think she's actually hurt. No, there. I think she is. Yeah, she's Ouch. hurt. She took a hard fall off there. Okay. Boy, gosh, I hope she's okay. Anyway, so I thought, like, okay, my kills up until this point have been. I've tried to make them interesting, but like, they just turned out boring. Finally, I have a contraption here for which I can like. <laughs> satisfy my creativity and you've already got like the winemaker's key say my desire to kill so obviously there's like a safety switch on these industrial pressing machines and if someone sees you turn off the safety they're gonna they're gonna be suspicious but i went and turned off the safety anyway and they're like huh what's going on over there huh who's that guy over there why did he turn the keys and i just sort of nonchalantly like jogged away like around a few corners and they were like huh where's he gone who was that guy like what's going on little cool down period they're back on the tour i just casually rejoined the tour <laughs> yeah the same guy that you just chased idiots anyway stupid so we get over to the wine pressing machine <laughs> They take a photo inside the wine pressing machine and the other person on the tour was like, go on, go on, don't be silly, go on. Like, it'll be fun. Go and have um, your picture taken in it. But you're not meant to kill her. So they, they start to go into the wine pressing machine together. And I like literally like walked into the other person, Diana Burnwood is, so that she wouldn't go in the pressing machine. I just like physically blocked her and she sort of like glitched into me and then kind of like walked away. I then threw a coin... <laughs> I threw a coin behind the um, guy that was on the tour. Not really in the spirit of the game. This like, oh, I think I'll just block the pathfinding algorithm. I just want to see how much I could break it. I threw a coin behind the, the wine man who was giving us the tour. So he like swiveled round. <laughs> he swiveled round, looked at the coin. was like, oh, what was that coin? I pressed the button, squished the woman I was meant to kill. Blood everywhere in the winemaking machine. Press goes up. Diana turns round. The winemaker turns round their chill nothing as far as they're concerned nothing bad happened diana yeah walks into the wine pressing machine stands for the photo the person on the wine tour takes the photo of her in the machine covered in the woman's blood <laughs> that just died and then the tour continued and at some point they're like huh where'd the other person go and diana's like oh i think she got a business call <laughs> yeah, i love that bit and i was just like that is actually fun that was fun but <laughs> if i could have made the whole game that fun then maybe <laughs> Maybe, just maybe, I would have enjoyed the game. The funny thing is, because that is clearly absurd, 
But I agree with you. I think the moments when the game succeeds the most are those moments when they've engineered an utterly ludicrous way for you to murder someone and you manage to pull it off and it goes quite smoothly. And that's, you know, good shits and giggles. I did like that Argentina mission because I also liked that they tried to go for a bit of authenticity and there was just like casually glasses of mate just lying around. <laughs> you know, the South American drink with the little straw. and Oh, very good attention to detail, yeah. Now pour the water where the level is low, where the leaves are like the little hill. The yerba has to absorb it, allow it. And put the bombilla, the straw. Uh-huh. Okay. And now we wait. But don't turn off the tape. You stay there, and I will be right here. I'll tell you when it feels right. Yeah, I thought that was good. And they also had the great knives. <laughs> yeah. Good. I kind of like that. And there was... What, so one of the things I do like... There's only six missions, and we've dissed that a little bit. But one of the things I do like about each mission is that they kind of have sub regions within each location so you have the overarching location of the vineyard for instance but you get there and next to the vineyard is kind of a slightly separate big manor house with like cannons outside it and stuff then you've got the main vineyard that you go down and it has a band playing outside and there's like tango music and guests in tops and tails and stuff celebrating some sort of reception There's all these like sculptures and exhibits outside, but beneath you, like three terraces below, there's this epic vineyard spread out Mm. with like all people cutting grapes and harvesting them or whatever. Then inside the main reception area, it like looks exactly how I imagine one of those sort of expensive wineries to look. And underneath that, you've got the huge sort of metal cylindrical cartons. What are they called? The wine presses. Yeah, yeah, but not the actual presses. I mean, like, the vats that it sort of sits in or whatever. Um, and then you've got barrels everywhere. Then you've got a separate room where there's a sommelier and all this kind of stuff going on. Like, there's lots of sort of sub-regions mm. within the overall area. And I do really like that. Mm. I just still think it feels too small. Yeah, that's true, actually. The level design is really impressive. And you do get a very, very good sense for each place and, like, what's unique about it. Like, we talked about the German club, which is, like, over multiple levels different buildings like the rooftops all that kind of thing good like verticality and like different routes around the level as well if only there's something interesting to do in these levels (laughs) but yeah they are well designed for sure i think that's a little bit harsh though man because like the other thing is that one of the reasons the game thinks it's replayable is because each time you start a mission you kind of overhear conversations with npcs or you pick something up or you read a little leaflet or something and it starts you on a sort of series of clues Mm. maybe this is clearest in the second mission conveniently because we'd finished the first and now we're back Mm. which is dartmoor england and it's a very sort of skyfall um you know that scottish manor house in skyfall is that was that in scotland i think it was it was it i should i know this is dartmoor but i'm just talking about the countryside vibe what were you gonna say well, I feel embarrassed to say it now, but I've never actually seen Skyfall. You must be joking. Yeah, we'll edit that out. Don't worry. I'll preserve your integrity, your reputation as a pop culture podcast host. Oh. 
Ooh, we even did that intro for Ghost, Ghostful, Ghostful, Greedful, Ghostful. Now that is a game I play. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of Skyfall, which you should watch because it's worth watching, in my view. Meets like Knives Out. Did you see that? Rian Johnson's new film with Daniel Craig. Also with Daniel Craig, actually. Now I come to think of it. Both with Daniel Craig. Which is, again, set in a big manor house. And it's a bit of a who... Well, it is a whodunit. It's also a comedy. Very funny. 100% recommend it. I spoke in the car about the hole at the center of this donut. And what you and Harlan did that fateful night seems at first glance to fill that hole perfectly. A donut hole in a donut's hole. But we must look a little closer. And when we do, we see the donut hole has a hole in its center. It is not a donut hole, but a smaller donut with its own hole. And our donut is not a hole at all. But this is a similar vibe. Like you go into this manor house, on the way in, there's this private investigator that you see. And so the game prompts you like, hmm, there's a private investigator arriving. Maybe I could impersonate him because... That might not have occurred to you as a player. And then you do that, you arrive, you impersonate him, and then it turns into this like murder mystery, like locked room. What's it called? A locked room mystery? Escape room. No, not an escape room. Oh, yeah, not, not an escape room. Oh, like you, you're talking like Jonathan Creek style. Yeah, like Jonathan Creek style. A locked door mystery or whatever. Yeah, that was good because I didn't enjoy the first level. The second level, I thought, huh, things are picking up here. Like, this is a murder mystery. There's no real stealth. Like, that, I was kind of fine with that. You've got a complete run of the manor if you um, mug the inspector as he's going in. He sort of walks into the house and you, like, hop a wall, get into a bush, throw a brick on the ground. He's like, huh? Over to the brick. Poof into the bush and then you walk into the house as the inspector get frisked of course so you've got to just chuck a gun on the ground before you head into the house yeah solving the murder mystery is fun yeah especially because the characters themselves are all like caricatures they're all like large and live there's the guy who's kind of super wealthy but really annoyed that he has he's like the young one sort mm. of teenage rebellious he just wants to bone all the maids and he's constantly like trying to take them out and then one of the maids is like oh, I think I've got feelings for him and all this stuff yeah, yeah. and then like there's this other one who's she's trying to inherit the man and the wealth and she's got all these schemes going in the background I quite like all those interplays mm-hmm. but again it's very on rails it's like you have to follow it in the way it wants you to like go and listen to this go and listen to this and then she calls a meeting and everyone's there and actually I fucked that up because I accidentally didn't realise but I just clobbered one of the guys as soon as I found them like even though they were dressed differently I was like oh, yeah they're in the way they've seen me I'll just take them out so I like knocked them out dumped them in some sort of big chest and then <laughs> Taylor's just distracted by his kittens. You're on the big chest? Yeah. Lots of big chests in that manner, fortunately for us. Yeah, there were lots of big chests. No puns intended, by the way. Here. That was 100% not a pun. This is straight laced. We are talking about big chests where you put wardrobe clothes and stuff. Yeah, like Harry Potter style. Yeah. Trunks. Trunks. Trunks, exactly. Yeah, there are big trunks and big chests in this house. <laughs> I'd actually already, um, I didn't follow the story path on it because for each level there's like a story path, which as you say, like that's the most rails way to do it. But then there's also like, as we've said, unlimited different ways. And with this one, I actually, I'd already assassinated the woman of the manor before I got upstairs into her room. So it's quite funny, like he'd like let me into a room after I'd solved the mystery and I knew that she was already dead, like drowned in the toilet in the other room. So I just, yeah, solved the mystery myself. You drowned her in the toilet? 
Yeah, sorry to say. It's dark, man. She's a pensioner. I did that twice. I don't know why I did it twice. I, I felt bad. It's a, gr- it's a real grim way to kill someone. <laughs> yeah. I actually think there's something to be said for the psychology of these games. They're always online. I wonder to what extent they're just monitoring the way players are doing stuff. And it's like, oh, that was particularly vicious. That guy, red flag, send the cops around to monitor him. That's very dodgy. I mean, I've got to say, I had a few moments like that in the nightclub one when I threw a hand grenade onto the dance floor just to see what would happen. Jesus. And another time when I opened with fire with a semi-automatic in an art gallery, also just to see what would happen. And I did think, yeah, this kind of feels a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, because the guns in the game, like, it's not, it's clearly not meant to be played as a shoot 'em up, but the, but the, but the possibility is there. So it's almost like they give you the option just so that you can, like, let off steam if, yeah. if, if you feel like it, and then you'll just reload. It's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I- that's exactly what I did so many times. I've got to say, it, it did feel therapeutic. It was good, man. I enjoyed it. I, I mean, I, yeah i felt more like i was like experimenting with it than i actually like felt something for it if you know what i mean i had quite a cold feeling towards the game so i I was never like impassioned with it but like you just do stuff like that in games don't you no one's proud of it but you have to protect diana and burnwood on the in the vineyard level and obviously like one of your objectives as well as like kill so-and-so is like diana must survive and so the first thing you do is just like shoot her in the face (laughs) and watch the mission fail and it's just like well you know I was just seeing if I could reload. Yeah. Stanley Parable vibes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Stanley Parable vibes. So it does put power in the player's hands. This more than like any other game I've played since possibly Order 1886, which is a PlayStation game. Can't remember who the developers were, but it was released in like 2015. You play as Sir Galahad as one of the like knights around table. I don't know if you've read about it or know about it. No, it sounds cool. It's an extremely cinematic game and it looks incredible but essentially you're just playing a prolonged cutscene like the whole time. Mm. So you have this extended cutscene and then the game's like walk to this location and you walk through this really amazing environment, but then you get to the location and then there's just another cutscene. And it's super on rails and it got a ton of backlash. I actually really enjoyed it because I like the story and I just thought it looked good. But this is a similar thing. It's like designed to be super cinematic and like all the lighting and all the views and like the scale of the levels is cinematic. Mm. But then you're kind of demoted to the role of spectator. You just have to observe what's going on. And Yeah, the only cinematic bits are the cutscenes, which you can choose. If you want them to be cinematic, you can choose to watch them and not act. And then it works. As soon as you influence a situation, it becomes janky and silly and not cinematic like i never felt like i did something like particularly cool in the game and you compare that to other stealth games like i was trying to think again the, the some of the comments i was reading online and they were like oh you just like people don't like stealth games but i love stealth games it's one of my favorite genres i mean like some of these are maybe like hybrid like shadow of mordor was really fun like especially the stealth element of that even though that's clearly quite action oriented as well dishonored but pretty awesome game although actually i didn't like it as much as some people mm-hmm. Deus Ex. Deus Ex. the last of us of course we love that game. And then like top-down ones, like, like Desperados, it's kind of like a stealth game, isn't it? What have we got? Invisible Ink. Invisible Ink is the one I wanted to talk about because that feels kind of similar to, oh, I guess, 
That's a bit more like cyberpunky, but still. Just top down, really quite basic graphics. I think it looks nice, but it's like a cartoon. You feel 100% so much cooler when you execute a plan in that game than you do in this, in Hitman 3. Like for all its graphics and stuff, like it doesn't make you feel clever or cool, I didn't think. Yeah, you don't have the sense that you're doing anything no other game has done, or you're having a moment. Mm. Like, we often talk about moments on this podcast, it seems, where, like, in a game, it's like, oh, that was so memorable. Or I did this thing, and did you do it? Oh, no, I didn't do that. Oh, right, cool. Whereas in this, it's very much, like, as you were telling that story of the wine presser, I knew it was coming, because it happened to me as well. Yeah. Like, same deal. I mean, I didn't try and interrupt her pathfinding like a dick, but I knew that she was going to get splattered, and they weren't going to notice, even though it happened right in front of their eyes. And like other people will be having similar experience. It's almost like they're trying to curate those moments, but by virtue of trying to create them, they're undermining them. Mm, yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Mm. Like another example of that actually is, so in the third mission or, oh God, I've lost track of the goddamn missions. You stupid monkey. <laughs> you shut up. In the fourth mission, a covert data facility in China, right? Where all the staff are posing as chefs. And the targets are like that you're after. You're after these two really freaky deaky targets mm. and they're each kind of pursuing their own dystopian cyber future ambitions. Mm, that is a bit cyberpunky, isn't it? When you get inside the facility, there's these like security guards and they want to pat you down. And this happens in a few of the other missions as well. But they're like, oh yeah, we're going to frisk you. So much frisking. But I really wanted to do that thing like he does in the Matrix where I'm like armed to the teeth. And then I get there and they're like, we're going to pack you down, sir. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. And then they pat me down and they're like, oh my God. And I'm like, wow, they're really fucking cool. And instead, it doesn't let you get frisked if you've got rogue items or whatever they're called, contraband. I'm I'm surprised I didn't try that, but that's what? Would you please remove any metallic items you're carrying, keys, loose change? Holy shit. Yeah, so you get to it and the button's just like grayed out and you have to like go back and hide your item before you can go through the frisking thing or they won't frisk you. Oh, dearie me. Back up. Stand back up. That was annoying. That was really annoying. Mm. Well, it's in my head another bit of this kind of over-curation or kind of molly-coddling of the player. Eight out of ten targets that you have, at some point on their sort of path through the mission, because they're never static, they've got like a, a route that they go around and stuff. Might be part of the story, might not be. But almost without fail, one of them at some point will sit down and like sip a drink, like a cup of tea or a glass of water or something, and then get up again and go back on their route. So it's like, ah, the drink, which I can put poison in. <laughs> To, and there's a few times it does it creatively like you can put sort of like rat poison in the air conditioning and that's the way it poisons them that was quite cool actually but yeah it's just like oh it's so telegraphed isn't it yeah it's really telegraphed is it fun for me to kill them like that like it's incredibly easy like i did poison a few times i mean i did poison one time <laughs> you're kind of making this deal or whatever up in that's the abu dhabi mission and for some unknown reason just before he talks to you he's like everybody get out we need some private time so everybody walks out the room he goes over and like does some like papers on his desk which gives you a chance to put poison in his whiskey and then everyone just comes back in the room again anyway it's like well that gave me a good chance to poison the glass but why did you tell them to leave if you're just gonna get them back in the room again and then sometimes in order to blend in never necessary you sort of sip a wine and put 
your hand, like your arm on the on the table, like sipping wine casually. He goes over, sips his whiskey, drops down dead. They're like, oh my God, what happened? And I just sort of walk out. They didn't even think to suspect me. The person that was like so obviously suspicious in this scenario, they're just like... Yeah, to interrogate you. All seems good here. Legit. <laughs> yeah. You're so right on the never needing to blend in front. You absolutely never need to blend in. That's an absurd in-game mechanic that it's almost like Assassin's Creed level. You know, you can move with the monks if you want. No, that's really annoying. They're moving in the wrong direction. I have to wait for them. I'll just run along in the bushes. Job done. <laughs> Such a good example. It's the same deal in this. You can be a waiter and you can go and stand nearby and like just push some glasses around or polish a glass. He always does, doesn't he? Mm. It's like... What for? I could just walk over and stand next to him and hear his conversation. He wouldn't bat an eyelid. But you notice the actual effect it has is because there's these, I think they're called enforcers. Essentially, when you're in disguise, the way the tutorial does it is like some of the staff know their staff really well. So you've got to be careful for those people. So some people can spot you through your disguise, basically. It depends on what disguise it is, which people can see you, et cetera, et cetera. They have a little white dot over their head. Yeah, they've got a nice white dot over their head, thank God. I think they might not on... Um, the hardest difficulty, but anyway, if you blend in, then even they can't see you. You're doing just such a good job of blending in. They overlook the fact that you're obviously not a part of the staff. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> but because you're static, I mean, you can, as like a janitor, you can like push the trolleys around and stuff. But yeah, being stationary does nothing for me. I need to be moving towards the target. Didn't get it. Didn't get it. Yeah, I actually think this game was too easy. And maybe we did both play it too easy. Because one of the things I remember about the last one... There was one mission where you're in like a spa, I remember, mm. um, in Japan, I think. And your guest is like having, you know, he's surrounded by masseurs and masseuses and whatever else. Let us begin with upward facing dog when you're in. Fluid movement. Very good. Now, transition into Lord of the Dance. Remember to breathe throughout. And you have to infiltrate that. And it's really cool level like it's one that i actually remember and i remember it being quite difficult because there was like guards around all the time like, anytime i turn a corner it'd be like oh shit there's a guy with a dot over his head like either i was worse or i was playing it on a higher difficulty or something but i remember feeling much more challenged mm. whereas in this game i honestly thought if i'd wanted to i could have just sprinted from my starting point shot the guy and then ran off again mm. to the place at the end and the whole level would have been over in a minute mm. which obviously wouldn't have been in the spirit of the game but i feel like it's not up to me to play in the spirit of the game. Like, you're making a fucking game. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we kind of come back around to my initial bluntness about you being a stupid child. Cause... All right, don't hammer it home. Sorry. Just maybe, just maybe, if you're playing this game and like you're, I don't know, like 11, 12, 13, may, probably maybe you shouldn't be playing it. I don't know. I'd happily let my child play this game. I don't think it's that bad. Peggy 18. Okay, is it? I probably shouldn't give that advice. It's literally Peggy. Okay, okay. Well, We're going to get onto that, that in a minute though, because I, I want to raise want to raise an issue. Maybe you would find it hard if you're that age. And also you might find it fun. Like we talked about this with Astroneer a little bit and we said that we're just maybe like not the, the target market, like creatively for this. Like we don't, in Astroneer, we didn't want to like build, sculpt whole like structures and planets and stuff. We we're interested in the game, but we weren't interested in like creating art in the game. If you were to be generous and say like the creativity that this game gives you is is enough to like do something significant with, then maybe I just don't have the imagination for it. I don't know. Whereas a kid would and like have fun fiddling around with it. What do you think? Maybe that's true. 
I'm not sure because one of the other things I remember, one of the other levels I remember from a previous game is I think it was Miami where there was like a race, like a Formula One race going on. And there's this massive event and there's those like inflatable things that flap in the wind. And there's like all of the mechanics from the pit stops and stuff are there and you can like pose as them. It feels like it's way more relevant mm. to infiltrate. The guy you're trying to access is way off grid, like they're on the track kind of thing. You just don't have access to them really. Mm. And so you have to go through this sort of progression of going in disguise, then doing this and doing this other thing. And also it feels like you've got more free reign in how you take them out because they're in a race car or whatever. So you can like spill shit on the track. You could like dress up as one of the tire guys and fuck up the tire, like all this kind of stuff. Mm. And cause you have to make it look like an accident or something like that as well. There's like this added challenge. I remember thinking that was actually quite fun. Mm. And I did kind of want to try different ways. I was like, oh, that, I wonder what would have happened if I'd have done this other mm. thing or, and like some of the contracts, cause the game also gives you this other mode. I can't remember what it's called, like escalation challenges or something, escalation contracts maybe or something like that, where it basically just tells you to replay the level, but gives you a different set of criteria with which to do it with. Mm. Um, if the choice is, you know, discombobulating for you. And it was basically like that with those previous missions is that you were sort of inspired to do that yourself. Whereas I don't know whether you felt that inspiration in playing this game. Well, I mean, you know that I didn't, but it's interesting that you did in previous games and not in this one. That suggests that maybe they this was a bit of a misstep in terms of the design. Well, you say that, but it sold 300% better, more than 300% better than the last game, which is weird as well because the last game was actually longer. But it was, I believe, the PS5, one of the PS5 launch games. Oh, was it? Which would automatically, like, significantly, because, I mean, there's no, there's still no games for it, so at least this is a game for it, in it. And if it was at launch, then I'd say out of the ones available, this would be one which most people would pick up. Yeah, but I also think that maybe the game suffers from, like we're saying it's not replayable on a level by level basis, but as a game, maybe just the rhythm of it, the sort of repetitive nature of your mechanics of like crouching, crime and Jane pipes, disguising, putting people in cupboards or whatever. Like you do that no matter what level you're on and no matter which of the games you play. Mm. And so by the time I've got to this one, I've already played Hitman 1, which was, you know, fairly great. Hitman 2, which I enjoyed. And now I'm at Hitman 3 and maybe I'm just feeling, eh, I've kind of done this now. I've seen this. It's not that innovative. It's not that creative. Anyway, if you don't mind, oh, go, sorry, go on, jump in. Well, yeah, I mean, I was just going to say again that like, I hadn't played any Hitman games. So you'd have thought that I'd have found all of it innovative, all these like incremental changes over the years. But yeah, anyway, go on. You, you had a point to make, I think. No, the only point I wanted to make is at the risk of sounding like a cliche about violence in video games. Can I have the attention of the class for one second? Hi, kids. Do you like violence? Want to see me stick nine inch nails to each one of my eyelids? But this is kind of a different tap, right? Because... Here is a game, here's a franchise, the Hitman franchise, and a character, the Hitman, Agent 47, who is beloved, let's say. Beloved, beloved by people the world over, right? We're raging on him a little bit now, but, you know, in general, I'm pretty sure that this got good critical acclaim. Like, in fact, I had a little browse on in the zeitgeist before we hopped on here because I thought I'd try something new. You wouldn't not back that up with a bit of research, Ben, now, come on. Well, exactly. A little peruse of the zeitgeist. And Ben on Twitter, different Ben, obviously, says, 
ate about 20 Oreos, played Hitman 3 for six hours straight, already starting to lose my perception of time. Eunice says, amazing methodological stealth game. Watching different executions is fun. So you can see people are loving the game. And what I'm saying Methodological. Is, yeah, I, I stumbled on that as well. He means, metho- he means methodical, no? I stumbled on that as well. But would you believe it? I actually looked that word up because I was like, he's got to be wrong about that. Because that was initially why I chose that one. Methodological, as in there are like many different methods. It's a true word, mate. It is a true mm. word. We, maybe this could be our next feature. Sort of, We read out tweets and then like rip them apart. Oh, poor Eunice. Sorry, Eunice. Relating to the system of methods used in a particular area of study or activity. Methodological. The example given by Oxford Languages is a wide variety of methodological approaches to ethical problem solving. Mm, All right. So I kind of feel like the way you used it works. Yeah. Well done, Eunice. Nice, decent. Inspiring. Anyway, my point was that like people love this game in general. Uh And... That's true of publications as well. Like it got a Peggy 18, fine, but no criticism of its violence. No criticism of the fact that you are essentially being inspired, as we've alluded to already, like even tempted in kind of underhand ways to basically just commit massacres on a big scale. Like they give you- The tools. Explosives, the tools to be creative and damaging with your your violence. Mm -hmm. And then- no one seems to care because you're the hitman. You're dressed like a fucking dapper Don. Everyone around you is wealthy as shit and all the environments are really pretty. And then you take a game like Manhunt where 2003, I think, the original one, Rockstar game came out, immediate backlash, people being like, this is fucking disgraceful. You're a guy who's like basically being forced into a snuff film and you're taking revenge. Mm. And it's really gnarly. It's really gritty. And you go around and you kill people. And it's a stealth game, third person, basically like this, but flip side. Whereas this is like all well lit and shiny and like, yay, let's kill loads of people in imaginative ways. That's like quite dark and gritty and let's kill loads of people in imaginative ways. But in both games, you can take a hammer to the back of someone's head or a screwdriver to their ear or whatever. But that game banned in like every fucking country. Yeah. And then this game everyone seems to love what i don't get it what are the rules what are the rules yeah well i mean i remember manhunt coming out and, and i think it was pretty exceptional in the backlash like i remember thinking at the time like why is everyone getting so annoyed about this game when there are these like hundred other games which are also equally bad by the same metrics it just sounds like you hadn't heard of those games and you have heard of this one because like you saw it in the news Mm. i think the manhunt thing just spiraled for the record like i am torn on video game violence because like clearly there's no link between video game violence and like real violence but at the same time you're kind of like do i want that as an experience for myself and my children i don't know i don't think it should be banned but i just i don't see the value in it necessarily all i want to say to counter that is moments ago you told me how you started level it told you to protect a woman and the first thing you did was shoot her through the face so yeah yeah you know dwell on that as you will teo but my sense is that you do want that as an experience i don't want that as an experience any game that's in front of me you try i mean in the wine press moment it showed itself as well you want to test the limits of the game so it was less about the violence and more about like the, you know, like I didn't want to shoot a woman in the face, 
it was something I was allowed to do and I wanted to see what happened if I did it. Is that the same thing as wanting it? Mm, maybe I should, maybe I should look at myself. Mm, I don't know. It's like weird. It's like, um, I guess the same sort of visceral thrill you get watching or you would get watching a blood sport if you didn't think it was obscene and cruel, but like, I think it's that thing that maybe is innate. And I relish the fact that we can do that in this digital environment that's pixelated and clearly gamified and unrealistic in a way that you kind of enjoy it, but mm. recognize that it's it's not real life. And maybe mm. that's the backlash against Manhunt, but I yeah. think they're both caricatures. So I, I don't think it works. So I have, I have one counterpoint and one sort of like augmentation point. I don't know what the hell that means. One is that I have seen criticism of the game. I think there's a scene maybe in the first one where there's like a room full of like sex workers and it's got really famous for like characters being like encouraged to like kill them all or something. I have a look into it anyway. But like certainly I remember watching some commentary of that scene and just being like, this is why the Hitman game is bad because it like encourages you to do this. Maybe that was a fringe view. I don't know. But certainly I remember seeing some criticism of the, the past ones. The other point, I think you're right. It like it's just because it's glamorous. People don't watch James Bond and think James Bond is a terrible person. They watch James Bond and think he's fucking cool. And because of the game's aesthetic, like it's allowed, it's culturally allowed. Whereas whatever was going on in Manhunt was, was not allowed. Yeah. Well, I found the, cause I was curious about it and I wanted to raise it. So I found the, um, basically a statement that was issued by the BBFC about the hmm. UK ban of Manhunt 2. And the guy, the director at the time, David Cook, this was, 2007 and he said manhunt 2 is distinguishable from recent high-end video games by its unremitting bleakness and callousness of tone in an overall game context which constantly encourages visceral killing with exceptionally little alleviation or distancing there is sustained and cumulative casual sadism in the way in which these killings are committed and encouraged in the game although the difference should not be exaggerated the fact of the game's unrelenting focus on stalking and brutal slaying and the sheer lack of alternative pleasures on offer to the gamer together with the different overall narrative context contribute towards differentiating this submission from the original manhunt game mm. which to me if you took manhunt out of there and replaced it with hitman i don't think you'd be far off like stalking brutal slaying lack of alternative pleasures like literally your whole pleasure in that game is from just killing people in inventive ways mm. i don't know there's plenty of like bric-a-brac around the levels which you can collect in your bottomless pockets and then cycle through the menu to see what you've got and then choose which of these high fidelity items you want to throw so that someone hears it hit on the ground and goes over towards it <laughs> there's literally about a hundred items which have the same purpose <laughs> throw to distract <laughs> But yeah, uh, you're right. I'm being silly. Yeah, but I'm not going to just the inventory because in previously when we were playing the forest, I was like, how annoying is it that you can't hold enough things? And in this game, it's like, yeah, you can hold whatever you want. And I like that. I'd way rather be able to pick up and hold shit. You better be prepared to cycle through them. I also hoovered up literally every item on the map. Um, but yeah, it does take a while to cycle through them to get to the one you want. Uh, but yeah, no, you're right. Like clearly the thrust of the Hitman game is thematically very, very similar to Manhunt. And it's only the trappings which are different. I guess that's the bleakness. This is like cool stalking, whereas Manhunt is bleak stalking. Yeah, I love that. If it's happy-go-lucky killing, cool. Yeah, silly, silly. <laughs> I agree. What are the rules? 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 Speaking of silly, we haven't mentioned them, but we should because we're talking about Hitman. Two Hitman films, 
both of them crap. Really? That'll do, won't it? Does not surprise me. Yeah, that, that'll do. That'll do. <laughs> Timothy Oliphant and Rupert Friend, neither <laughs> one did a very good job. Might as well start spoiling the story then, because we're, we're well into the pod now. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, definitely spoil it. Fucking hell, mate. I was, I was wrapping up. You're dismantling Providence, but there's this guy, the constant, I think in the last game you capture him. He's like essentially the leader and he's trying to architect your downfall and your friend Diana Burnwood is captured by him, persuaded by him like to... Um, turn you in. To turn, yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm doing a crap job of explaining the story. You, you try and explain it. I've, I've lost my flow. I've lost my flow. Well, no, yeah, that is pretty much it. So like you are killing loads of people. He thinks I'm in trouble if he keeps killing people. So he goes to Diana Burnwood and says... Yeah, I know that this guy, Agent 47, and you work really closely, but if you want to come back to us and stop killing all my people, then you can be the leader. You can be in charge of everything. And she's like, oh, that does sound pretty good, actually. And then he says, and by the way, Hitman killed your parents. So Uh, he's really villainous, even though she's told you to kill fucking loads of people and didn't have any remorse about it but she is pissed off that you killed her parents so then she's like oh, okay yeah maybe i will turn him in so she turns you in you don't realize betrays you spikes you with a toxin you end up on a train in mission six mm. finally got there through the is it the corinth what are they called the corinthian mountains what what are they called i don't know but i thought it was in romania the carpathians huh. they're called the carpathian mountains they go through like eastern europe Thing. okay cool yeah, yeah and it's all icy outside you're on the train you battle your way to the main guy and there's some sort of serum and he offers to wipe your memory or not yeah because obviously the the old constant is kind of like i don't throw away a tool as useful as you kind of thing so he wants to keep you alive just so he can use you to kill more people presumably there's a hilarious bit in that mission you wake up on the lab bit and hmm, what is this long corridor vibe but you kind of go with it for a bit and then you eventually open the door and it's like, oh, you're on a train. It's like, I think I would have known that I was on this train already <laughs> before I opened the door in real life. It's like, this is a shock to me, the player. But in reality, this train would have been going wacky shack from either side. It's like a steaming blizzard. Yeah, that is and true. Actually. So I love that moment. It was so funny. It's so gamey the way it like panned out to the train. <laughs> it's like, uh-huh. Smoothest train ever. But that leads up to this epic sort of, you think it's leading up to some some big showdown and then you just get to the front of the train and the guy's like, well, you could kill me or you could use this serum to wipe your memory and then you'll be a really good hitman again and I can use you again. And you're like, yeah, I'm balanced. I think I'll just kill you. And he's like, okay. And you do, (laughs) if you're me. But apparently there's a secret ending where you take the serum and then, I mean, it's not that secret. It's just an alternative. But you take the serum And then you wake up and it mimics the very first game 21 years ago, whatever it was called, Hitman, codename 47, I think. Mm -hmm. And it mimics that where you wake up and there's like a guy speaking to you over a loudspeaker, being like testing your reflexes and shit. Mm. Yeah. So so I think it does try and do this like quite nice closure because they've said this is the final one in the trilogy, but it's not the final one in the whole franchise. So this is very much a closure of the trilogy, but not necessarily an end to Agent 47. Unsurprisingly, because who gets rid of a cash cow? Indeed. Um, Well, you know, I wanted to test out being as critical as I could be in a game which I felt like being critical about. So I hope it hasn't come across as uh, as too negative. 
I'm still my cheerful self underneath. I've, I've got literally got kittens running around me. Joyous bundles of joy. Joyous bundles of joy. It's nice, mate. It's poetic. <laughs> so yeah, what should we, should we wrap up? Absolutely. What's the next game? Well, I was going to do like concluding comments of the game, not the next game. Yeah, I got some good concluding comments. Oh, okay. Go on, give us your concluding comments. <laughs> Going all the way back to Disco Elysium, where you're given like many, many choices in the world. It is a different kind of game for sure, but like you are given decisions to make in that game over and over again, and those decisions are so interesting. Like psychologically thematically like what what happens when you do them the cause and effect in that game the interplay between your choices and the mechanics and the story like everything is so good whereas this game nothing interesting happens it's not showing me anything which i find interesting and neither is it fun so yeah that was really the crux of my um my hate mm-hmm. fair enough i would like to close by saying I did actually enjoy this game and my main irritation is it was over really, really fast. <laughs> Fair. You'd have played it if it was like three times as long. Well, just I, I'd have liked more variety. I think that's what we're really getting at a lot of the time. I mean, not for you. You've, you've made it clear. But I mean, for me, mm. a lot of my frustration just boiled down to a lack of variety. Mm. Same thing with replayability. And so, yeah, I'd have liked it to have been longer purely so that they would have invented some more locations because I enjoy exploring them. That's it, really. Like, yeah, it's limited what you can do in each one. But I quite like just exploring them and seeing them. I like wandering through the sort of ganja farms on the third floor of a motorbiker's hangout <laughs> and dressing up as a pizza boy. I like that stuff. You know, it's quirky. Nice. Nice. All right, cool. Uh, well, I'm glad it wasn't totally negative wrap up anyway. I feel like fans of the game, because there are fans of this game, I feel like I'm going to get like burnt hard by them because reading those Reddit comments, I was like, oh no, I'm going to have you against me. I'm going to have you against me. <laughs> User 315. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, a bit of an announcement to make, guys. Just in case you're not in the Twitter sphere, you may not know that... My esteemed co-host has decided he'll have a little tinker with Twitter. He's put out <laughs> some very creative posts, thanking people oh left, right and centre and directing people to other content because, you know, there is great content out there and there is enough for everyone. Um, but if you specifically want to follow him and us, you can do that at PixelViz. <laughs> you would need to go to Twitter first, though. Just you would. To, you know, make that clear. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, nice. Okay, cool, yeah. So next time we are doing a cooperative game and we're only going to play it together and it's called It Takes Two. Other than that, I don't know anything about the game other than it's cooperative and we have to play it together. Do you know anything about it? Uh, is it by the same people who did Tale of Two Brothers or something or, or Brothers Tale of Two Sons or... Ooh, yeah, I think that is it. And I read about the game, but I haven't played it. Do they also do the Way Out game? Maybe? The way out, which we have played together, together. in one weekend. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be good. We should try and arrange something like that, mate. Another little weekend. Now we can. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm allowed to visit you now, aren't I? Oh, who's that at the door? Oh, Teo! <laughs> what a way to end the pod! You arrived at my house to play the next game! Better sign off. Thank you very much. Oh, I never thank everyone for listening. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Can't even be bothered to sign off. I 
just have no respect. <laughs> well, I actually do. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening, to donate in your time when you could be doing fun stuff. And also, can you, like, share it and tell everyone to listen to it and follow us on whatever platform you want to follow us on, but not in a creepy way. Yeah, if we, if we didn't like your game today, maybe we did like your game in a previous episode. So, yeah, go and check them out. Mm-hmm. But can you do it in a reverse order? Because it's really annoying for Discordless to amass the most listens. By far, it's our first one. Come on, give us a break. It was the first one. It's obviously not as good as the recent ones. Listen backwards. Get into it from our most recent one. Mm, indeed, indeed. Thanks again. <laughs> yeah.